Welcome to Real Talk Christian Podcast, where we drink coffee and have real conversations on faith, culture, and society. This is Mark Hyde. And Chris Fuller. And on today's episode of Real Talk Christian, we're sitting down with the one and only Ryan Coatney to learn about how do we raise Christian kids. Fuller, you ready to find out? Let's go. Mr. Mark Hyde, how's it going? Dude, I'm still... Dude, last week's episode was freaking unreal. Yeah, it was really good. Andrew Wood, yeah. Oh, dude, we were sitting there, and there were so many times... We were telling Andrew this offline after we were recording, where he would just stop talking, and we both would look at each other like, oh, crap, we need another question. Because like we were just listening. Right. And then doing that. Well, we're we're horrible hosts when we have guests because we just like to listen to them talk. And we're like, oh, oh, yeah, I forgot. We're we're supposed to be asking questions here. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. And before we get to our we have another guest. We're going back to back guests to kick off 2021. We went huge for 2021. Before we get to him, though, we have a couple housekeeping things real quick. Yep. Yes, we do. So we've already gave away some coffee, gave away the net gators. I feel like we're going to pull back from the giveaways a little bit because we're going to go broke. We're, yeah, we're gonna go yeah, broke doing yeah. that, and it just it, it won't be a good time. But dude, we we're still waiting for some more reviews from from Podcast Land, and for, there still is the mini swag bag. Yep, we can st- we're still get the mini swag bag to whoever leaves a review and then emails us back. Right. Um. But just recently, we had someone reach out to us and said that they found us randomly on Spotify. Right. We've actually have helped them not only in their own personal walk but they lead a college small group at their church mm-hmm. and that the way we have conversations have helped her have conversations with other people who either are of the faith or are not of the faith. Right. So even though we're not getting specific reviews on Apple, we know you guys are out there. We you're, know you guys are out there. So we want to say thank you for all you guys who are the RTC family. Right. You listen week in, week out, and you're grinding with us. Yep. Yeah. Appreciate it. Thank Absolutely love much. it, man. I mean, we're not really drinking. I'm not drinking. Well, coffee. I'm you, drinking you're coffee. Drink, I'm drinking Mountain Dew Baja Blast from Taco Bell. It's and what's delicious. that? What's that pink crap? That next is to you in a, a Coke bottle. <laughs> is that Pepto Bismol? <laughs> yes, that's. <laughs> it's, it's my dietary supplement. No, it's not really. Uh, that is a flavor packet in water. Oh, that's not fancy. I thought it was gonna be a lot. That was my that. old Coke Zero bottle from yesterday that I just filled up. With I water. thought it was gonna be much cooler than that. I was expecting like that, like Advocare, like pink liquid stuff that instantly makes the fat it's, melt off your body. It's Pedialyte. You look at me. Do I look like I have fat melting off my well, body? Maybe that's why you're drinking it. I don't know. I don't know. But God made you. Anyways, God made you beautiful. Mark, what are you drinking? I'm drinking the stuff from Peru. Not not the stuff from Aldi's Peru, but this is the stuff that Joe Frerix hooks us up with. Yes. A little dude in, I don't know if he's little or not, but I'm going to call him a little dude in Peru who drives around on his bike and sells coffee coffee out of his bike right and Frerichs buy it and we get it from joe so joe, i'm drinking you. some more joe Frerich Peruvian coffee mine. man i drink all mine in like the first two weeks after yeah you did i'm, I'm savoring mine yeah you, i'm savoring mine baby it i do baby it well dude so tonight we're not gonna hang out at the banter and the coffee reviews very long because we are so excited to have another guest who is also a bigger coffee connoisseur than you or me combined yes tonight we got the one and only from crossform kids Ryan Coatney, who he doesn't go by Ryan or Coatney. He goes by Coat. Coat. Just Coat. Coat. Coat, how you doing tonight, bro? What's up, guys? I'm doing well, man. I just got supper going for the kids, and now I'm 
kill them with you got. So it doesn't get any better than that, right? That's right. Uh, I mean, I mean, there, there could be things better. You could be in South Bend hanging out with Ooh, up here with drinking the snow, coffee with drinking us. coffee, because I, I know how much you I love snow. In South Bend, Indiana, instead of Nashville, Tennessee. That's true. <laughs> that, but why would you come to is, South why Bend? Why did he just say it like it was a bad thing to be in South Bend? <laughs> because I, it's, I think I said it with an air of neutrality. I think that was the, what you were hearing there. It was I, a little bit I of that Southern draw. <laughs> <laughs> so Yeah, I have, I have not been to South Bend, so I have no opinion on South so, Bend. So, Coat, let me ask you something. What are you drinking right now? You know, I'm I'm not drinking anything right now. It is twelve after six here in Nashville, and I just got done drinking a big glass of water. I know that's lame, but mm. that's the truth. I have I did have coffee earlier though. What'd you I drink had, earlier? I have had I had a French press this morning. Every morning, man, I ruck up, which is just that's like walking with a bunch of weight in your backpack. Yep. And so we ruck about uh, I guess. Three and a half, four miles. Wait, 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 wait. Back this up. So you just put heavy weights in a backpack and walk? It's It was something that started in the Army. Yeah, dude. They put a rucksack on and ruck up. Yeah, yeah. It's it's the base for uh, special forces training and or any military training, really. It's it's basically the basis for their fitness stuff. And uh, so I do that because I like to go backpacking. So it just like kind of. Put you in shape. Yeah, all that is just by way of prelude to the important part, which is coffee outside every morning, mm. which I mean, that there is no more important ingredient to coffee than the outdoors. Right. That's the, if you can. Amen. Have that's amen. a fact. That's a mad fact. Amen. Yeah. So especially I, overlooking the mountains. That's, yeah, that's what it's all about. That's what, yep. that's where so it's that at. Was the morning coffee. And yep. then I had a pour over, uh, around one o'clock. So, so what, what I be- have had coffee. So I, we had a, so the last episode, Fuller actually roasts his own stuff. Yep, I did. Um, so we had a French Whoa, press nice. of Fuller's. It was like a, a, a Christmas Santa cookie it was, thing. It, yeah, it was my first attempt to do, use a coffee flavoring oil, and it was called okay. Santa's Secret Christmas Cookie. With recipe. Mexican high-grown but beans. It, it was Mexican high-grown beans, which means they were grown at the elevation of 6,500 feet and wow. uh, in Mexico, so... Yeah, that's hardcore, man. They're they're pretty good. Yeah, so we uh, I did, I roasted them uh, earlier today before I came over to okay. Mark's house, and we had them fresh, they're man. Fresh. And so. then How then I'm also it? it's oh oh what's that? What what was your what was your brew method? What did you do? So the the brew method that we did was uh, well we brewed it French press style, but okay. uh, but we I I roasted it. It was more of a medium dark roast. That we roasted gotcha. so today, so nice. it was, really it was good. so good, dude. Okay. And very, then very tonight, smooth. I'm doing the uh, the proving coffee. I got pour overs, right. so I do okay. I do about three. All the coffee I drink throughout the day is pretty much exclusive pour overs. I do about three pour overs per day, and this is okay. actually cup what number like four. Um, I want to. Oh, I wish, dude. I wish. No, I just have a ceramic pour over. Okay. Nice. It was yeah. actually given to me for free. Someone, it was someone else got. They're like, I never used. Do you want it? And I'm like, uh, yes. <laughs> so I just put, the, I just put the the ceramic pour over over. Put the, you know, I I try to I, I try to at least have some fresh grounds I've, up in there and then go for it. I've yeah. got to let you try my clever dripper sometime. Your clever dripper? My clever dripper. Yeah. I used to have one of those. Those are nice, man. And and it is aptly named. It is very clever. Yep. It is. I've never even heard it's of that. Extremely clever. It is. Clever. It's a fridge press and a pour over all in one. All in one. Yep. What? Yep. 
That's like the best marriage ever. I have it at work every morning. It's delicious. So needless to say, Co, we don't just drink crap Folgers on the podcast, no, bro. No. We drink the good That's stuff. That's right. Hey, I'm glad to hear it. Life is too short. Right we could just podcast about coffee. All we night. really could. We really could. <laughs> Life is too short to drink bad coffee. That's yeah. kind of our mantra here. Yes, it is. Agreed. Awesome, dude. Well, hey, we oh, are geez. not here to talk about coffee. We're here to talk about how on earth do we raise Christian kids. But before we even yeah. get into that, man, tell us about yourself, your family, church life, ministry life, and what you're doing right now. Yeah, man. So first of all, just for anybody to miss my name, I'm Coat. Um, that's just what everybody calls me. My real name is Ryan Coatney, but really almost everyone calls me Coat. So feel free to do that. I've been working with kids for the last two decades, guys. I was I'm a camp pastor. I still am a camp pastor. I travel and preach at big kid events. And I've been a children's pastor at an enormous church where I had over 500 kids in my ministry. I've been a children's pastor at a small church where I had just a couple dozen kids in my children's ministry. And now I'm a pastor of a small church where there are more kids than adults. <laughs> and kids have just kind of been, I know, it's That's been amazing. constant. And I also taught at a classical school in Louisville um, while I was in seminary there for a little while. And so it's been a lot of kids stuff. And now I'm a dad. I've got three kids. And it just kind of has been a constant for me. And we're part of this church plant that we started in 2017 called Grace Story Church. And that church exists kind of on the razor's edge of the city of Nashville's urban core and the suburbs of Nashville out east. And so we're kind of just right there on the edge of an urban and suburban sort of ecosystem. And so we kind of see those two different ecosystems interacting on a daily basis. It's crazy just sitting, speaking of coffee, at the coffee shop I go to each morning. After I have my outside French press, I go and have an inside latte most days. <laughs> Support <laughs> the local right. business, the latte, man. You can't beat a latte for sipping and studying. I mean, it just kind of got that, true. that velvety tongue feel. Mm, just, yeah. You know, you got to have it. But while I'm there, it is nuts watching urban and suburban cultures kind of just like rub against each other in that one small little space. And that's a perfect picture of the neighborhood where our church is so that's kind of what we're up to man we're um, really seeing our people uh grow in love and grace and it's been a blessing to watch that happen over the course of the last couple of years mm. that's super cool and this is something that i even told fuller tonight you and i got connected because i brought my youth group down before you guys even had your first official first official service so we were helping yes. you guys try to get stuff together. We went followed back the next year and put on a little day camp for the kids. Um, yeah. So, dude, it's so cool to sit back and watch. Help. Oh, dude, the and that. Go the, ahead. I, I was gonna say the the one story that my teens and college kids still talk about is when you whipped out that whatever that ghetto flamethrower thing was, and my kids <laughs> were walking the basketball courts and torching weeds. We didn't pull weeds at Gray Story. <laughs> We freaking torched no. them. You don't have one of those? I, what would you call that? A, a, a Kentucky flamethrower? Is that what that was called? I got That's one. the Kentucky matchstick, man. Yeah, I got one That's in my garage. You have one of those in your garage? No, yeah. yeah, I just got one in my garage. You hook it up to a propane tank and you go to town. 
That's it. Yeah, it, it, it's pretty commonplace <laughs> around here, at least. I don't know about. Oh. I, I don't know where all it's. I'm a city as it comes, man. Yeah, he, he just lives. Yeah. In, he's always lived in this like little city life. I'm city. I'm a city outside. kid. I grew up around concrete. <laughs> Oh I goodness! You, I mean, even around here, I get looks sometimes when I when I do use that thing. But I can't imagine not having one. Oh, it's I hear you. A very useful piece of equipment. It's but all yeah, man. That was funny. Those kids about lost it when they saw that. Yeah, they were. It's great for starting bonfires too. Oh, I didn't think yes, about that. Is. Yeah, I did not think about that. Nope. But dude, so yep. anyway, to get back onto the the that was a <laughs> I just can't believe you have one, Fuller. I'll show I it to you. I want to see this, dude. I'll show it to you. Oh, goodness. Next small group night, we're going to be like, we're doing Bible study? Nah, we're going to torch stuff. <laughs> but uh, so, so, anyway, so you got the stuff with the church going on right now with Grace Story, super cool ministry going on yeah. there. But you also have another ministry that's happening simultaneously at the same time. Yes. So tell us about I what, what your, what your, uh, is, what, is it an, an initiative? Is that what it is? A program? Like, fill us and in on Cross Formed. Yeah, Crossroads Kids is a it's a curriculum for parents to disciple their kids. It also it also is a church curriculum that allows churches to play like the role that I play with individual families. Crossroads Kids allows churches to play that role with their families. Does that make sense? And so the whole thing is set up so that parents can become the primary disciple maker in their child's life. Mm. And they have everything that they need in order to do that right on the website. So that's kind of Crossroads Kids in a nutshell. It's very biblical, theological in terms of its content. So it's not systematic theology. It's biblical theology. And we can unpack that later if you want. Yeah, to. definitely. And, I think that'd be good to unpack that. Covenantal in terms of the the way that I interpret scripture and lay it out for kids. Um and it's, it's, it's creative in the sense that, you know, when you listen to the songs, Mark, I, I don't know if you've heard the songs on, on Crossroads Kids. Dude, I still sing, who, who are you? I am a creation yes. of God. I still sing that every stinking day, yep. dude. <laughs> because you can't, you can't not. No, right? I can't. It's, it's too song. catchy. It, yeah, it's not your typical curriculum music with, no, it's you like know, TikTok somebody's music. aunt playing piano and, you know, it's just. It's very a high level of production on the on the songs, and I'm trying to make it fun and you know borderline, hopefully addictive for kids and families to get <laughs> in a good way. And go for it. Yeah, exactly. Addicted to Jesus. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. No, I love it, man. And, and I think it'd be really cool to get into Cross Forb Kids and how we can help parents actually raise their kids. But if you don't mind, dude, yeah. you know, um, we, we actually were, were reached out with this question from one of our listeners. And before the, the, the teenagers and the college kids and the young adults who are single, not married, you know, they're, I mean, they're single, yeah. ready to mingle, but they haven't found nobody to mingle yet. Um, don't, don't do that until no, no ringy, uh, no dingy till the ringy guys, but you know, <laughs> don't walk away yet. Cause you got to learn how to raise Christian kids. But you know, this was actually a, a written into us by someone in their late twenties. They got some kids and they were like, Mark Fuller, the, the biggest thing that I don't know how to do as a parent is how do I raise my kids to love Jesus when they walk out of my house? And, you know, we started having more and more conversations and we were like, you know what, dude, we need to bring the expert coat onto the podcast to answer this question. So I'm going to start off well, with the, the hardest question imaginable, all right? So yep. 
right off the bat, this is something that so many studies are dedicated to and churches have been modeled after to, 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 to get these people back. But why are so yeah. many kids and teens and young adults walking away from Christianity today? Yeah, dude, that's a great question. And I'm Mark, I don't know if you know this about me. I, I hope you know this about me, but I am obnoxiously committed to Scripture. Oh, and yeah, so dude, for sure. What I mean by that is I expect Scripture to give me the answer to questions like this. Amen. Now, there are that doesn't mean I expect the Bible to tell me what C plus 7 is or anything <laughs> like that. But when it comes to these kinds of questions about how can we remain in Christ, right? I think the Bible has the answer to questions like that. So I think there, I want to start with two reasons why kids and teens are walking away from the faith. Um, The first one is this. I don't think that kids are equipped with real, robust biblical literacy. Mm. And I think that arises from a couple of different problems. The first one is a lot of pastors, are more familiar with their systematic theology than they are familiar with the tools of exegesis. And, um, you know, I, I don't fault pastors for that, but I do think it's probably a mistake to lean into our systematics, our doctrinal preferences, instead of leaning into exegesis. Because here, here, here's why. When I, when I preach, scripture on a Sunday, I fully expect people to not only understand what I'm trying to get across, but to also learn from that how to study the Bible. Right. So if I if I just get a message across, I can do that in a million different ways. But if I preach accurately, I should also be teaching how to study the Bible in my message. So um, can I stop you real fast, Coke? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go for it. All right. I just want to explain to some of our listeners. I know we have some listeners that are um, new to the faith that listen to us, and yeah, I, so I want to ex- I want to explain real fast the exegesis. That is more of a uh, a verse by verse um, explaining what's going on in the verse, what what is being said, and the doctrine that's being taught in the verse. Whereas a systematic is the doctrine of the church, like the Holy Trinity. The Trinity is not. Nowhere in the Bible does it say Trinity or the triune God, but that is a doctrine that we teach through systematic theology. So yeah. go ahead. Go true. ahead, go. <laughs> it's good. It's yes. true. Right. It's right. It's beautiful. Right. All of those things. And But I think that a lot of times we just, you know, if you're hanging out with a bunch of coffee people, they're going to geek out about coffee. If you're hanging out with a bunch of car people, they're going to geek out about cars. Right. And pastors a lot of times geek out about theology. And so, yeah, we do. You know, when we get to a text <laughs> that gives us an opportunity to dive into this systematic, I think it's, I just think it's natural to want to dive into it and go for it. Right. But I, I think we should step back from that and lean on biblical theology. Right. Because it's like showing our work in arithmetic. It, it we we show our work when we preach the Bible the way that it presents itself to mm-hmm. us. So I think that's one thing. I think that there's too much emphasis on systematic theology, not enough on biblical theology. And although there is a move toward exegetical preaching, I think that a lot of times even the exegetical preaching leans toward leans into systematic categories instead of yeah, biblical would, theology categories. I'd, I'd agree with so, that. Yeah, and I think that's a problem. Right. Um, 
And uh, here's the second thing, and this is one that I think tons and tons of pastors are trying to figure out, and none of us has really figured out perfectly yet, which is how do we equip parents to be the primary disciple makers in their kids' lives? Um, I don't know a single pastor who would say, I've got this figured out. We're doing it on such a level that I think everyone should imitate what we're doing in regards. I mean, pastors think they have a million things figured out. It's not like pastors are shy about saying, imitate us in this, right? That's not a character trait of pastors to not want people to imitate. Like, But when it comes to equipping families to disciple their kids, I don't know anybody that thinks they have to figure it out. Maybe with the possible exception of me, you know. Like, <laughs> I, I, Not to toot my and, own horn. And I wouldn't say, yeah, I mean, and I wouldn't even say I had to figure it out, but I have to be honest about the reality that I am presenting this thing, right? So I just need to own that. Um, but we have to figure that out. Not because, not because it's a tactical solution, which it is, but because it's a mandate of scripture. I mean, read Deuteronomy, you know, read Ephesians. It's, it's everywhere. Um, New Testament, Old Testament, the entire book of Proverbs is about how to disciple kids, right? It's a letter from a father to a son. Mm-hmm. And so this is, this is just embedded in scripture all the way throughout it, that it is the calling of parents to become the primary disciple makers of their children. So, so let me I'm let me ask you a follow up question yep. with that coat. Not not to cut you. We're, we're cutting you yeah. off a lot tonight, I guess, huh? Um, you know, with off, with with your role as a children's minister and senior pastor, you view it one way. You know, with me being a youth pastor, I view it you know very similar lenses. Um, and there's been so many times that parents, when of my teenagers, like they look to me as the primary disciple maker for their teenager. You know, so yep. why do you? This is opinion time. Why do you think so many parents? look to the youth pastor or the children's pastor or the senior pastor to be the primary disciple makers when scripture flat out says the opposite. Yeah, man. Well, I think part of it is, um, habit, right? Part of it is also, well, why do we even have a youth pastor and a children's pastor if it's not to disciple my kids? Right. right? We're paying them to Um, disciple my kids. So yeah. yeah, exactly. And, and part of it is, part of it is school mark. Because churches tend to tend to take their shape inside the same sort of container that the schools take their shape in. So parents drop their kids off at school. They do their work there. They bring some of it home to have a little bit of guidance, and then they go back to school. And school is where all the important learning happens. And so it kind of has built this expectation that, you know, even, for example, Sunday school is it's based to school, but it's on Sunday. So I think it's just it's just a template that has taken root um, that I think we just need to kind of shake ourselves out of. And, you know, I think it also, Mark, has to do with pastors feeling insecure about telling people that, they can do what they think of as the pastor's job on their own, right? right? Like that's not necessarily 
good for job security from a worldly perspective. <laughs> right. And right. we actually, we had an episode that, uh, well, we, were, we recorded, it hasn't dropped yet for data recording, but by the time this episode comes out, we would have just dropped that episode of, does the church even need pastors? We, we had that conversation. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I hope you realize that the answer is yes. Yeah, the answer was yes. yes. <laughs> it was it was definitely yes, but the role looks a little bit differently than the, the modern Western yeah. church yeah, views it as. <laughs> right. And I don't, I, I hope this doesn't sound like I'm beating up on pastors. I, no, 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 no. You know? So, and you are a pastor, so you're you, allowed to do that. You haven't said yeah. anything that I disagree with. Actually, I'm over here shaking my head like, oh, I totally agree with this guy. Oh, I'm just going to let him roll. <laughs> yeah. Well, good. The, the thing is, like, um, even I, I started this church. And, you know, we haven't even installed elders yet. I'm under the authority of a board, so I have accountability. I have that authority in place. But in terms of, if you just put it on a continuum of how much, freedom do you have i'm way over on the freedom side like i have a lot of freedom as a pastor and even for me there's still that feeling when i'm giving away ministry of you know like a tiny twinge of i wonder if people will think i'm being lazy or i wonder if people will think i'm not bringing enough value because i'm putting ministry over in their world instead of doing it myself and you know we have to like, we have to stop trying to justify ourselves as pastors. Well, pastors, were ne- they were never made to be, like, superheroes. <laughs> yeah, man. They are just and made to be teachers. A, <laughs> yeah. And there's a drive to justify your existence, right. to justify your salary, to justify your position that can lead you to do things that are not helpful and not biblical. Right. And part of that is um, discipling kids on behalf of parents. So I think those are a couple of the big things, uh, really biblical literacy. When I talk to someone who's like you were describing, 24 and just got out of college and now is not sure if they believe the gospel anymore, right? right when yep. I talk to them and I start to ask questions, I normally find out that they do not understand the Bible. Mm. They, they know a lot of biblical facts. They know a lot of doctrine. They know a lot of Bible verses, but they do not understand how the Bible fits together and what its overall message is and how the various pieces fit into that overall message. And so we have to fix that. And I think if we do, we'll see kids um, remain in the faith. And look, can I tell you another reason why I believe this? This is beautiful, and I'm not sure how many people have paid attention to it, but are you familiar? I know you're familiar. I don't know why I'm even asking (laughs) you this, but. You're familiar with the story of Stephen in Acts, right? Oh, for sure. Acts 7? Well, yeah. Yeah. So when Stephen is about to be stoned, right? And and imagine if you're about to be stoned for your faith, what are you trying to do? You're trying to maintain your faith to the end, right? You're trying to make sure that you persevere to the end, and you're preaching for the life of your hearers. I mean, those are the two concerns. I, I, I assume those are the concerns. We hope. Well, <laughs> right. Yeah. And, and for the glory of God, obviously. Right. But, and so what does Stephen do when he's in that position? What does he do? Look, he does not start talking about doctrine. He does not start quoting life verses. I think that's what people would do in 2020. Yeah. I think people would have a few Bible verses that are important or special or sentimental to them 
And that, they would depend on that to try to maintain their faith or keep them in the faith. Stephen doesn't do any of that stuff. Stephen walks through the covenant structure of the Bible. That's what he does. He, he walks from the beginning of the Bible all the way through the covenant. And that's how he maintains his faith. And that's how he preaches for the life of his hearers. And I think we need to learn from that. Like this is, there's a reason that God inspired the Bible the way he did. He inspired structure just as surely as he inspired each grammatical construction, every phrase, every word. I mean, it's all inspired by God. And we need to take seriously um, all of these features of the Bible because that's what's going to give us a thorough understanding. And that thorough understanding is what's going to allow us to read fruitfully. And when we read fruitfully, guess what? We're going to read more. People who are frustrated and lack understanding when they read the Bible don't tend to keep reading it, you know? And people who don't read the Bible, guess what? They don't tend to remain faithful. It's just, it just doesn't happen. So, so that's kind of, that's kind of where I'm coming from. Yeah, I like Those that. Are, yeah. Yeah, so 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 bringing it down to the everyday for the everyday parent, you know, they're 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 probably sitting here yeah, listening, man. going, okay, so uh, I hear covenants, I hear don't hang on to what we call coffee mug Christianity, Do more you know, yeah, studies. actual study or whatnot. But you know, I'm thinking of the parent with the kid. They're like, okay, I get that. But how do I actually do that on a daily basis where the kid actually like pays attention <laughs> and cares? Yeah. You know, and actually learns absolutely. to love Jesus, you know? Yeah. Well, this is, I mean, I can answer this question in terms of specifically how Crossroads kids are structured, or I can answer it more generally. Yeah, do general and, and then bring Crossroads into yeah. it. I think that'd be cool. Yeah. So, on a, just generally, the first thing is this. Your discipleship of your kids needs to be a habit. And in order for anything to be a habit, it needs to be daily. And so I think a lot of parents, like, they have this big intention. I'm going to disciple my kids. I'm going to do this or that for my kids. I'm, I'm going to do this thing. And the way that they go at it is they try to have this big moment when it kicks off. And they're going to do, uh, you know, I'm going to have, an hour-long family discipleship. <laughs> right, sit them on the couch, let's go. Once a week, like, you know, and and then immediately, like, they're unable, they're unable to do that on a daily basis. And so it quickly begins to fall away. And here's what I want people to know. Five minutes every day is much more beneficial than an hour that you say you're going to spend every week but you really don't ever do that. And the reason that you don't do it is because you don't get your habit on your side. But when you do it daily, it becomes easier and easier to stick with it because your habit carries so much of the weight for you. So that's, that's the first thing. Do it every single day. Keep it small. Do it every single day. Here's the next thing. Build shelves before you start filing books. Build shelves before you start filing books. And that means before you start having your kids memorize Bible verses, you need to make sure they understand the big 
structure of the Bible. And that's as simple as Googling the covenant structure of the Bible. I mean, it really is simple. It's creation, Abraham, Israel, the king, exile, and Jesus. That's the structure. Mark, I get bent out of shape because every single book that's written now in the Christian space starts with the structure of Scripture. And it's always creation, fall, redemption, consummation, right? If you right, yeah. Every single book, the very beginning. And although that is true, again, what are we doing? We're getting into systematic theology, and we're calling it, we're calling it biblical theology. Mm-hmm. That is not the way the Bible is structured. It's, it's true, and it is, it is deeply embedded in the gospel story, but that is not how the Bible presents itself. It presents itself in epochs, and we have to get that because when Jesus starts doing his ministry, guess what? He doesn't make constant reference to creation, fall, redemption, consummation. Those aren't the themes. The themes are creation, Abraham, Israel, the king, exile, right? That's right, what yep. Jesus is talking about. Over, So we need to teach the Bible that way. If we don't, we won't understand it. We, we will not have easy access to what the Bible means when it says what it says. Right. So, so teach your kids that structure and teach them some important verses inside of each one of those epochs. Teach them Genesis 3.15. Right. Teach them Exodus 19. Teach them Genesis 12. Teach them Second uh, Samuel 7. Like teach them these important pieces of the puzzle so that they kind of know these are these are the thumbtacks that we're hanging everything else from. Right. These are the filing cabinets where we're going to file away everything else that we learn. So that's the next thing. Third thing. Make sure that you emphasize memorization. Kids love memorization. They eat it up. Even the ones who struggle with memorization love memorization. And, and they, the reason that they struggle with it is when you start comparing them to other kids or an artificial, uh, an artificial expectation of how well they need to do it. In. Don't bring that into it. Just encourage memorization and they'll love it. And they'll love showing you what they memorized, and it makes it fun for them. It makes it easy for them. And memorization is how you remember what you've forgotten, mm. right? So memorization is time release teaching. They're going to have access to that forever. Even when they forget it, they'll be able to remember it because it's memorized. It, it, that's what memorization does. So I think those are some really crucial things. And you'll know your strengths, play to your strengths. Um, just like anything else and make it fun as a family. And I think if you'll do that every day, and I'm talking about like five minutes a day, even if it's as simple as just asking a few questions or playing a quick little memorization game, whatever the case may be, five minutes a day will make a huge difference in your kid's face. So how does uh, Crossform Kids then play into that with, with how you've created the system? Yeah, yeah. So Crossform Kids is built on a 108-week catechism. And the catechism is another big word, but it's just a fancy word for question and answer that is to be memorized. It's something churches have been doing for 2,000 years, literally from almost the very beginning of the church. There's been catechesis. And the Crossform Kids Catechism walks through 
those big six chapters of the Bible, creation, Abraham, Israel, David, exile, Jesus. And every single one of those chapters is 18 lessons long. Each one has a question and answer to be memorized. You already remembered one of them. Who are you, Mark? I am a creation of God. Absolutely. And then who is this God? God is the creator of me and of all things. It goes on like that. 18 in creation, 18 in Abraham, so on. Every single one of those chapters, the last couple of questions are about how Jesus fulfills that chapter of Scripture, right? And so, 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 so what you're saying is everything in Crossform Kids not only just tells you facts, but then it brings Jesus into that conversation. Exactly. It shows how Jesus intentionally lived his life in fulfillment of what we've just learned. And so now the questions and answers are super easy to memorize because the songs will not get out of your head. They just won't. <laughs> they, they, do not, they do not leave your brain. So you, your kids easily memorize the catechism. And this is those filing cabinets I'm talking about. The catechism provides those filing cabinets. Um, and then... In case a parent doesn't know how to be engaging, in case a parent feels like they're inadequate to teach, I've got a lesson for each video that has an original illustration that I've written for them that they can teach verbatim. I mean, they just have to, they just have to follow the instructions, and it's very easy. These are illustrations that I've used with thousands of kids. I know them to be, to be engaging. I know them to be clear i know them to be helpful in getting these troops across so that's provided for you if you're not a dynamic communicator you can pretend to be one because you have <laughs> these illustrations and then i give a commentary that helps parents feel prepared theologically to teach this stuff so every lesson has all that a song a craft and activity and then there's a video to show you how to put the craft together usually there's a bonus video where i just kind of talk about how to bring this home for the kids um and it's all on a very simple level i mean we've used some big words between us pastors talking about cross home kids but that's not the the language that i use when i'm talking to parents you know i talk to parents like a parent i talk to you know i just talk on the level of the people that i'm hanging out with right. so that's the that's kind of the layout um it's a membership deal so you get a lesson a week that you get access to and once you have access you have access as long as you're a member um yeah yeah definitely dude no i like that i like that a lot man things that i think we need to do you know yeah so if you don't mind me shifting gears here just a little bit um this is something that personally i don't have an answer for it's probably something i've been wrestling with now for probably about the last two or three years especially as elliot you know the dude's five and a half. Like he's going to start asking the questions around salvation and baptism and what does all that means. But how do we have yeah. conversations around salvation and baptism at such a young age? And then do you? I mean, again, this is opinion, but do you think there's certain ages where kids are ready to, you know, quote unquote, be saved or follow through with baptism? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I'm Baptist, Mark. So uh, if, if if any of the listeners are Presbyterian, then I, I'm really, I'm not like a ferocious Baptist that thinks that people who are Presbyterian and have a different view of baptism <laughs> are kind of on a different team. You know, I, I understand where they're coming from and I see it, but this, this perspective is probably mostly beneficial to people who are Baptistic, at least in how they think about 
baptism itself, right? But I, I think that, one, kids are readier sooner than we give them credit for. My prayer for my kids is that they would never know a single day without Jesus as their Savior. Mm. Think about that. They will never know a single day without Jesus as their Savior. That's my prayer for my kids. I don't know why anybody would want anything different than that for right. their kids. I can't, I, can't, um, I can't imagine valuing their remembering their conversion more than I value their being converted as soon as possible. Right. Right. I want them to have the most boring testimony <laughs> that they could possibly have. You know, of course, I want them to be saved as early as possible. Now, I also, Mark, I raise my kids with the assumption that they will be saved. I don't, I do not raise my kids to be Christians. I raise them as Christians. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, it does. A a lot of people are so concerned about this question that they almost treat their kids like little lost people that, uh, that they have to like evangelize, right? And while it is true that all of us are born in sin, all of us are born apart from God, we need as parents to recognize the significance of the blessing that our kids have access to being raised in a Christian home. And we need to take seriously the, the covenant, the covenant structure of creation. Like we, we are part of a different covenant because we follow Jesus Christ and we can expect that our kids, are going to benefit from that. It doesn't mean that our kids are automatically going to be saved because they're our kids. I'm not saying that. What I am saying is that I have every expectation that my kids will be saved, and so I raise them accordingly. I, when I talk about Jesus, I talk about him as our Savior. When I talk about the gospel, I talk about it as our hope. You know, So do that. Um, presume that your kids will believe in Jesus. And every time you have a chance, Encourage them to trust him. And then when they let you know that they have trusted Jesus, when they start to express that faith as their own, then you encourage them to be baptized. You know, then you encourage them to give thanks for what has happened in their life. Um, I think so there's two different sicknesses around evangelism. And the first one is that we don't do it. We like there's nothing that we resist more than God's mission. It is difficult to move people to evangelism. Have you noticed that as pastors? Oh, dude. That's- so yeah, we've uh, we talked about this at our like. I mean, we've talked about it on staff. Where it's just the fact of the the first thing to go away from a church if a pastor just stops talking about it is evangelism and telling people about Jesus, like certain programs will still happen, but not actually sharing your faith. Yeah. There's a ton of soul inertia when it comes to that. And it's just, but here's the other thing. Not only are we resistant to evangelism, we're also highly conversionistic. And isn't that strange? Like we, we place all the emphasis on conversion 
but we also resist evangelism. And I think these two go together because when you start to be highly conversionistic, then you start to you start to think that there are systems and processes that are going to result in decisions. And that that just is not a healthy way to approach evangelism. Look, the, the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. And so what we need to do is, in confidence, know that we have a real and powerful message that has the power to save people. And we need to preach it with confidence. We need to love people sincerely. And we need to, we need to engage them where they are without, without thinking of conversion as this one isolated moment that is kind of when the light comes on. Because theologically, that, it is that moment, right? Right, yeah. But none of us, none of us knows when that light actually came on. We don't, we don't know when that happened. We don't know when we truly first trusted the gospel. We don't know when we were made alive by it. We, we, we don't. We, we know when we made a conscious decision. We know when we um, followed these uh, prescriptions for the sacraments or the ordinances, right? We know those things, but we don't know when God made us alive. We just don't. So we need to stop trying to know that about other people. And I'm getting to my point. With kids, I don't I don't think we're probably going to know the exact moment when our kids get saved. And if we can set that aside and let our kids kind of lead in letting us know when their faith is something that is real to them, um, then I think then I think we'll have a lot more confidence about these conversations. Yeah, is that definitely. Helpful, guys? No, it, it is. I mean, the, the 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 one transition moment that I'm thinking of right now is you know, as a youth pastor, I would stand in front, and I know you did this too, I would stand in front of the teens and I would say, you know, it's time to make your parents' faith your own. So stop standing on your parents' faith and stand on your own two feet for your faith. Do you think that conversation would not even need to happen if we're raising our kids correctly? Or is that still a conversation we need to have? Well, I, I you know? think that that Proverbs 22, 6 clearly states what will happen, and that's raise up your child in the way that he should go, and when he is old, he shall not depart from that. I think that's what Coat is saying here is if we as parents take on the role that we are actually called to with our children and and showing Christ to them, not just with our words, but with our actions, and being the disciple makers that we're called to be as parents, then then that verse will hold true. Am I am I correct in saying that, Cope? I, I, I am quick to say that the Scripture doesn't give us any guarantees. I just want to put that out there first. We can do everything right. And our kids still may walk away from the faith. Um, but again, I think that what you've just described is the ordinary way of God with his people. It's the ordinary, it's, it's the usual way that God deals with us. It's like, um, you know, it's cause and effect. It's covenantal cause and effect. And when we, live inside of God's covenant actively, faithfully, intentionally, then we can expect for certain things to happen in our life usually. 
Um, that's not a that's not a guarantee. It's not a certainty, but I think it's an expectation, like a confident expectation, that our kids will walk in the faith if we are faithful to disciple them in the Word of God. No, I that, like that. No, that 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 that's yeah. that's really good, man. And hey, so um, we had a few more questions written down. I don't think we're going to be able to get to them, but um, to close out this episode, man, you know, I'm, I'm thinking about the parent, you know, even me included, where you know maybe we have kids, and you know what, they're just. We're, we're trying everything we can. We're, you know, I'm, I'm thinking of even specifically parents with like, you know, 10 year olds where all of a sudden like they're, they know more than you do type thing. But, um, you know, yeah. we, we got some kids and we're trying to, we're, we're trying to teach them the gospel truth. And honestly, they just don't care. Like they're, they don't seem to pay attention. They don't seem to be soaking it in. It seems like we're just, you know, literally speaking to a wall, but in reality, it's a talking 10 year old. Um, what encouragement do you have for the parent who's struggling with, they're trying to teach their kids the faith, but their kid just does not seem to even care or grasp it. Yeah. That's such a heartbreaking problem. And one that I know is going to be deeply emotional for parents who are going through it and deeply confusing. But the reality is that your perseverance is going to be one of the primary things that God uses to soften that child's heart. And so this is very difficult for any human being to learn. But when we're in leadership, we have to be able to differentiate ourselves from the emotions of the people that we're leading. We, we have to be able to differentiate ourselves from their anxiety. We have to be able to differentiate ourselves from their fear. And the only way we can do that is to be secure in knowing what it is that God wants us to do. And so as a parent, the first thing that you have to do is to get very secure in your understanding that God is calling you to disciple your child. And when you're clear on that, and when you know that, this is a role that you have because God loves you and not a role that you can have um, as a way of earning his love. Like, and when you know that you're his because of what Jesus has accomplished and not because of something that you might accomplish, then, and when you know that his word clearly gives you this gift of a role that is, I mean, dude, it's like, think about how, significant this role is to be the primary disciple maker in the life of the person that you love most in this world like that is what greater gift could there be right it's a huge privilege so now god's given you this privilege as a gift and when you get clear on that you're going to be able to persevere in spite of their demonstration of negative emotions in spite of their demonstration of lack of desire and your perseverance will be part of what God uses to soften them toward the things that you're teaching them. So hang in there. Get get yourself clear. Get yourself secure in these gospel realities so that you can so that you can persevere even when your kid is protesting. You know, that's the I think that's the most important piece of the puzzle. And I think that actually applies to a lot of situations, you know, not just parenting, not just discipleship. 
No, thanks for that a lot, man, Cope. I, I appreciate that big time, dude. Well, hey, so if, yeah. if there's a, a parent listener right now and they're like, okay, I, I need some help with this. I don't know exactly where to start. I mean, yep. Fuller and I know, and, and this is just a fun fact. If you go back to show note, I think episode one, we've actually put the CrossForm Kids link in our show notes every single week because we believe in it. We finally were just able to connect yeah, and, and record. Um, where can people learn more about CrossForm Kids and what should they expect in order to sign up for, for the membership that you have? Yeah, man, go to the website, crossformkids.com, and on the homepage, there's a pretty clear explanation of the way it works. If you go to my Instagram account, there are two IGTV videos that are pretty um, pretty clear explanations of how this all works, and just you can email me. In fact, if you hear this podcast and you want to and you want to hop on Crossform Kids, email me, um, team at crossformkids.com with any questions that you have. And I'll be happy to, to help you kind of think through how you can get started raising Christian kids. I can send you some free resources, um, and, and I'll be glad to help you walk through this. Awesome. That sounds great, man. Fuller, any other questions you got for Code? Or I mean, I'm good. <laughs> dude co you are a saint and a scholar my friend you are something else my dude dude i love you man come back and see me in Nashville. oh i miss you guys i miss you guys big time but hey so co we can't let you go yet though my dude so okay. this is a tradition of the podcast again since episode yeah. one you know where we gotta do some fun facts with fuller so cody you ready to get educated? I, I think i'm ready all right let's go <laughs> time for Fun facts with <laughs> <laughs> That that la- those were those were Fuller's kids, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who did that I'm little? Up on it. Oh, I love oh, it, I man. Like it. So, Fuller, what fun fact do you got for us? At the end of this episode of All Raising Christian right. Kids, Mark and Coat and listeners. Here's the fun fact of the day. Did you know that the Millennium Falcon was inspired by a burger? Wait, 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 wait. Back up, back up. Like the Star Wars? Star Wars Millennium Falcon. Han Solo, Chewie, like that Millennial Falcon. Yeah, yeah. Was inspired by a burger. Yeah, sometimes little everyday things can be inspired, you know, inspire big things. Uh, For the Millennium Falcon, that little thing was a burger. The side cockpit is said to be based on an olive. Since then, the Millennium Falcon has gotten flack from generations of Star Wars Characters for being affectionately dubbed a, a piece of junk. <laughs> so that's the fun fact of the day. So did you know that, Co? Millennial Falcon was inspired by a burger. I did not know so that. Ne- that's wild. So next time you go to you know Burger King or McDonald's and you're looking at that burger, be like, hey, it's a Millennium Falcon. <laughs> <I love laughs> that's it. unreal, man. Well, dude, now Co. I know, yeah. Now you know. Now you're educated oh. in the ways of Fuller. <laughs> Oh, goodness, man. Yeah, dude, it was a pleasure having you on, man. And for listeners, you can always reach out to us again on Facebook, Instagram, at the website, realtalkchristianpodcast.com. And that's where you can get your store merch as well, the shirts, the 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 gator necks, the the COVID ain't going away, so you still need a face mask. So so go over there to get yourself hooked up. You can always text us, leave us a voicemail at 574-400-5352. Yep. 
Got it. And just like always, everything Coach said in terms of the email address, the website, everything will be listed in the show notes. So that way you don't have to remember a thing because if it's up to me, I'd forget everything. But if you do forget, you can always jump on and shoot us an email or come and, and shoot us a message on Facebook or Instagram or whatever, and we can get you that information. All the ways, man. All the ways. Well, Cody, thanks again, man. We appreciate you. Thanks, Coach. Appreciate Dude, it. Yeah, my pleasure. Thanks for having me, guys. Then for all you guys out in RTC land, Till next time, take it easy.